I want to just share something with you this morning that, and I always say this, and I know people think we are just saying it for effect, but I really, truly wish I could record it and actually prove to you this is the case. And our kids could probably testify today this is the case. I often say my wife and I were just talking or my wife and I were just having this conversation. And I know some of you think, well, that's just said for effect or for theatrics. I literally mean we talk all the time. And I know she is a chatterbox on Sundays. However, when you can get Kate opened up, she has a lot of amazing things to share. But we were having a conversation um, Friday evening. We had left the uh, funeral service for our dearly beloved friend. The uh, second one. Second one. And it wasn't easier the second time. <laughs> um, by the way, for those of you that were there or maybe watched, the part that just crushed me was Sean's brother, Brian, playing Oh Danny Boy on the violin. Um, wow, that was hard. Uh, anyways, we were on the way home Friday night. We were having some, we were having a discussion and it evolved into something that I want to share with you this morning. And we want to share with you this morning for the next few minutes. Um, and that is the amazing part about COVID. We've talked about this quite a bit. The amazing part about COVID is it's been one of those amazing things that has happened in human history that no matter where you are, who you are, rich, poor, uh, whatever place in the world you come from, there's a commonality of experience. Uh, I've just were, was doing some business with a friend of mine and also Antioch West, someone who's been very helpful uh, for Antioch West over the years, uh, Pastor Timothy Lee in Singapore. And here is Singapore on the other side of the world. But yet we were having similar conversations about COVID and things that are going on. And it, it was very similar. And that story has been repeated throughout with people throughout this country, but also friends that we have around the world um, and places that we have connected with over time where they're experiencing this. So it's amazing to see sort of this commonality. But um, it made us kind of, we were talking about this in the conversation that when you peel all the different ways all, all, all the superficial things, and I don't mean superficial as if they're no big deal, but if you peel away a lot of things that we think divide us, like color of our skin, culture, um, economics, class, uh, education, language, there's so many things that in our world we embrace as divisive. But when you, when you strip that all down, there are some fundamental things that is common to every human being. Mm -hmm. And we have had the honor, and I mean that sincerely. I don't say this boasting. I don't say this as one of these self-promoting, hey, look at me. We have had the great honor and privilege to be able to travel in other parts of the world and minister to people in other parts of the world. And no matter where we've been and no matter what humans we've come in contact with, even when it was in situations where we didn't speak the language and the only way to communicate was through an interpreter, no matter where we've been, even if we couldn't relate from a cultural standpoint, even if we couldn't relate from an economic standpoint, we've been in places where there was great poverty. We've been in situations where uh, there was massive cultural differences. But even with all that being said, when you peel back all the layers, there was a relation that we could have with those people because we still were human. And I'm not here today, before you panic, I'm not here to represent the United Nations and give you a speech about humans coming together. It's not where I'm going, in case you're wondering. 
some of you are like, oh God, we really are changing, aren't we? Um, <laughs> my fellow world citizens. No, I just, uh, I say that because I think as Americans especially, we've talked about this a lot. Americans have, and I'm going to use this term, it's probably not even a word, but I will just use it anyways. Americans have Americanized the Bible. So when I go to the Bible and I look at the Bible, I don't look at it as a human being. I look at it through the framework of an American. Right? So the problem with that is, is that the Bible, if I'm not careful, is a book to make me a better American and help me achieve the American dream, right? Which is happiness, independence, wealth. And so because of that, the Bible um, becomes a, I guess you could say, the preeminent self-help book. But if you truly know, and I, you've said this quite a bit, Kate, about the fact that when you read the Bible, and it's the Bible, you have to read it in the framework of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, and I don't, I don't challenge today on whether or not you know him or not. Only you can answer that. I believe there's some evidence in your life to the relationship you have with him, but we won't get into those this morning. But if you truly know Jesus Christ, when you go to his word, you don't get the self-help picture. You get something far more universal and profound and example i'll give you one again because this is more relevant um to where we are today and that is um we've been dealing with it some with 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 some people we're connected with but you know there's constantly uh a i don't want to use the word panic that may be too strong what would be the word fear or uh Concern that sweeps throughout uh, our nation every time something happens in the news and people are speculating and trying to figure out what does this mean? Is this truly the way it is? is oh, well, this is happening and I've, we've heard this before. Well, man, if, if and, and again, I, I, I say this from an apolitical stance. I don't say this in, in, um, in, uh, support of any agenda. I'm only supporting Jesus Christ today. I, I don't come with a political framework. But when we see images like we saw uh, last Wednesday of sort of the absolute stunning events that took place last Wednesday or other things that have happened over the last year, especially as Americans, we kind of panic, right? We go, this is it. It's the end of the world. This is certainly a sign that Jesus Christ is coming. We, we remember that as a kid, right? Both, both Kate and I grew up in church. And there were so many times growing up, I mean, I was, I, we, you talked about this. I was, it, you couldn't have convinced 12-year-old Joel that he would ever drive, ever drive. He would ever get married. He would certainly never have children. Because I was convinced at 12 years old, it was only a matter of breaths before Jesus Christ was coming back. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, and especially with Y2K. Oh my goodness, Y2K, that was another one? That was just for some reason as a, as a young person that just, you you knew everything was coming crash, you know. So you were crash. 17, Y2K? Something like that, yeah. So at 17 years old, for this is it? For some reason that just, that particular instance, just like you just thought the world was coming to an end. And I remember, uh, some of you would know what this is. If you don't know what it is, Google it. It's There's a lot of information about it. There was back in 1988, there was a book that was written by a man called 88 Reasons That Jesus Christ Is Going to Return in 1988. Well, some of you don't know this, but lo and behold, the date that he was supposed to return was like, I believe it was either the day of the day before my birthday. And I remember as a seven-year-old, I was turning eight that year. I was very depressed because I thought, well, Jesus Christ is not even going to let me have my birthday because he's coming back. And so we grew up, we grew up with sort of this feeling. 
And again, I'm saying all that not to ramble on, but I'm making the statement that we, especially Americans, if you're watching us and you're an American today, although we have many nationalities that are joining with us today, and so we're so glad to have all of them, but Americans tend to think of only of America. Well, in case you haven't done the math lately, America's about 350 million people. There's about 7.8 billion people in this world. So uh, let's not get too ahead of ourselves that all the plan of God hinges on what happens in this country. Any soul is important to Jesus Christ, no matter where they are, no matter what nation they're a part of. They are as equally as important to Jesus. He died just as much for them as he died for us because we're Americans does not make the cross that much greater. But in the core of it, we started talking about this. And one of the things that we talked about that is so common, and I, I'm going to be kind today and not say it's every case because if I say that, it's everybody, you're going to start arguing with me, that's not me. So I will be kind and say it's most cases, and you have to be the judge. But one of the things we talked about, because it's something that you've talked about in your own life, and I have found more and more I'm the same way, just I express it differently. But we, as human beings, have such a hard time giving up control. No matter who you are and where you come from, one of the things is we want to be in control. Do you agree with that, Kate? Do you feel like that's... Yes. But I don't know necessarily if we would all quantitate it as... I don't think we look at it as a control freak because control... I'll speak for myself. I'm not... Normally the one that wants to be in charge, I don't look at myself as the wanting to be number one person. Um, I'm very comfortable being number two. Um, so for something like when you say that, make that statement for somebody that's my kind of a personality type or the way my viewpoint, for me, I don't necessarily would agree with that. But then for me, there's a control element because in the control, I find protection. Not that I have that much control over everything I do. I make the best choices. However, mm. through my control over you know, my kids and our marriage and my home life and this and that and the other, there's an element to where I keep things in a certain way because it, it's almost like I've got these hands that if I know that I can, can there are th certain things I can control, so therefore nothing's going to go wrong and I'm going to be okay. So for me, it's not necessarily the control aspect of having to be in charge, having to be the one that's the boss, having to... No, it's more of protection. So for me, in that standpoint, um, because like for a relationship with God, I'm learning for myself in order for him to run my life, for him to be the one, for me to truly, as the word of God says, to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And think about that, to love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. I mean, to love him with everything in you. I'm finding I have to give up me. I have to give up my control that I think really, which it's funny, in a nutshell, when you really, when things go wrong, you realize how much you really don't yeah, have control. True. No, you don't. I mean, like, for instance, just with COVID, that's the whole, like, kind of funny thing with COVID is you have control, but you really don't have control. I mean, I found people that you yeah, have worn the mask, have hand sanitized, have wiped down everything, and they ended up still getting COVID. So there is still that, you know, Thing out there where even though you think you have control when you get a ca phone call from the doctor letting them know, you know yeah. them telling you you have cancer you really don't have yeah. control yeah and so for me speaking about control isn't necessarily from the standpoint of I like to be in charge and I like to it's just those small ways of because through control in different ways it it like kind of brings a protection you think but really it 
you really don't have any. Control. But there's a there's a great illustration to the point we're talking about because if you talk to us separately and you ask us to describe ourselves, you would assume that we were different because you say for you control is protection. Mm-hmm. Mine is masked differently because probably for me control is masked out of pride and arrogance and the fact that. I like to be in control because I think most of the time I can figure it out myself and I don't need anybody's help. Do not need any amens for right there. I've tried to be transparent today for the people I don't need. <laughs> we need to take a pause for a moment. This is the only problem when you do this with your wife. When you say certain things, you get a strong amen. Oh, my goodness. I could see you out of the corner of my eye, Kate. I could feel it. Oh, let's yeah, pause right now. True. Let's lift our hands to Jesus because he needs us right now. I was in a moment, Kate. I was right there, and you just have to derail me. Anyways, in my moment of transparency, mine is pride, arrogance. I like. I, I feel like I can figure it out. I, I am a very independent. <laughs> you're, breathing, you're breathing really heavy over there, Kate. I'm a very independent person. By nature, I'm a loner. I have no problem being alone. Um, I have a brother that's nine years older than me. By the time I came of age, he was my brother. Um, a lot of you know him, but if you don't, my brother was 50 when he was 16. He was a very mature guy. He always kind of was years ahead and um so when i became old enough to understand anything that was going on he was 16 at the time and he was already dating who would become his future wife um and so with that and it's not that we had any kind of real issue we we really we had a uh we had a great relationship however because of the age gap and the fact he was so mature and involved with adult things at a young age, and I say adult things, meaning from the standpoint he was already progressing in his life. I grew up basically like an only child, if you could say, call it that. So because of that, I'm using that as an illustration of the fact that my default setting is lonely, a loner, by myself, independent, don't. But I realize anything in my life that starts to mess with that, I want to control. Or because of that, it's very easy for me to take control without realizing I'm taking control. I'm really easy at um, of, of not acknowledging others or people in the room because I'm very easily lost in my own space. But in the, in the end, you may call that something else. But it comes down to I've learned how to, con- or my opinion control or attempt to control my surroundings. So if you look at the surface of that, your control is protection. My control is others. But at the core of it, it's still control. That's the core of it. There's this core commonality of it, control. So today when we say control is something that most, if not everybody, has to deal with on a daily basis, you might argue, I don't do that because it's, I will say, and I don't mean, and and she knows I don't mean this negatively, but I, I know I've watched the way my wife has reacted. I've watched the way she is, and I can see what she's saying very evident in her life because she, it, it plays, mine is a lot more uh, if you could call it passive aggressive, I guess you could call it that way. It's a lot more camouflaged. And so if, if you told me before God began to show me some of this stuff and reveal some of these things in me, if you could show me some of these things, I would have said, that's not me. That's not who I am. You can talk to her because she needs to hear it, but don't, because there's some things that we use or words we use like, well, I like things a certain way. Or that's just the way I like it. Or that's just... Those are code words for I like to be in control. And there's something that is at the core of control. And there's a four-letter word 
Don't be prepared to hit the mute button. Not those four-letter words, but it's equally as damning as the four-letter words that might come out of your mouth when you smash your thumb. And don't act holy. You know you do it. And that is W-I-L-L. The little fella controlling the, all the mechanisms of control is good old W-I-L-L, Mr. Will, not Will Smith either. It's Will. Because ultimately the protection of control is really about you through your will wanting to make sure your life stays pain-free, problem-free, pressure-free. Mine is because my will is wanting my way. And if you don't give me my way, then by God, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And I'm not talking about Jesus. So I say these things because we've talked, we talk so much about so many leaves and limbs on the tree of life. And yes, those are important. But you can get so focused on things out on the extremities of your life, the leaves, the limbs, the shape, which, yes, they have a play. But if you want to change some things, you've got to go all the way to the source. And God in his love and mercy, what does he do? He sometimes, without us asking us permission, he brings things in our lives to strip away certain aspects of things. For me, he's, my wife was making a statement, whether it's, I mean, there's, and I, I, I'm not trying to put personal things out there, so I'll be vague, but there's been health situations, family situations, personal situations where no one could give you the answer. Right. So your mechanism of control to protect didn't work because the doctor said, well, there's nothing wrong. Well, I know there's something wrong. Well, we can't find anything. Yes, but you're not. I'm telling you, something's off. Well, I know, but we can't. And so you have a choice. How can you control something that you can't get a hold of? So God uses certain aspects of life, struggle, problems, whatever it might be, health, whatever it might be, as a mechanism to bring you to the end of self. Is that a fair statement? I'm not trying absolutely. to hold you. Okay. All things that mess with my security, my protection. Yeah. Absolutely. Me, on the other hand, God allows my ways to gloriously and tragically burn to the ground. <laughs> hey, Kate laughs again. I mean, if you want someone who can absolutely make a mess of stuff, you have found the right guy. I am here, my brother. I am a master of destruction. And I'm glad she's laughing because, unfortunately, my poor wife has been the victim of some of those destructive behaviors. Reality of it. I mean, we try to be as real as we can here today. We, we want to be transparent. Those destructive behaviors have caused immense amount of hurt in her and in my children and those around me. And again, you look at those two things and you go, wow, they're different. They're different in application, but the root of them is coming back to the same thing. For her, the way God uses those things, whether it's security, protection, whatever it is, it's coming back to Kate. Who's in charge? Who's in control? Are you going to trust me or you think you can figure it out? No one has ever figured out this thing called life, but somehow we figured out we're going to be the first one to break through. For me, it's Joel. Are you seriously think you're going to be the first person that never needed my help and you're going to do all this because let me show you what happens when you do things your way. Explosion. Burning. And the collateral damage is just beyond measure. What are we trying to say to you today? We're trying to say that Jesus Christ is giving you and I a choice. 
He gives the same choice to every person, no matter who you are. And I'm not talking today about those who are joining us for the first time. I'm talking about some of you that we've known for years. And we've counseled with you. And we've sat for hours talking about things. But really when you boil down to, we've talked about the limbs and the bushes and the extremities. But the problem why you're still where you're at dealing with the same thing you've dealt with over the year after year after year after year is because you still have not addressed the thing at the root. And so today in our desire through the help of Jesus Christ to come to you this morning is to kind of say to you, okay, look, here we are, husband and wife, been together almost 18 years. Yet we are one, but we're not the same. And we're completely different as human beings, and our experiences are completely... And, and there have been times, and just being honest, there have been times that our differences have actually been a wedge in our relationship. Absolutely. Because when you look at our two lives... We have vastly different experiences. We have vastly different um, life, I guess, life experience. Yeah, I mean, just, it's just, there's a lot of things that, if you looked on the surface, would make her and I completely different as if how these two people could ever come together. But the reason why, through the years, God's continued to work is because we are beginning to realize through the grace and revelation of Jesus Christ that even though we are different, we're the same. Because at the root of it, there's something, there's something that both of us are having to deal with. It's just that God knows our makeup and knows who we are. So he's not going to come at it the same way with you as he does with me. He's not going to come at it the same way with you as he does with you. And we've compared notes, and there's times where it's like, well, God, why are you doing this to me? You're not doing it to her. And she said, why are you doing this to me and not doing it to him? And when you look at the surface, that's why the Bible is very careful. Don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Why? Because God knows the uniqueness of who you are. Yes, he does. Not one of you today is the same in how you process the world. But we are humans because at the core of each one of us, there are some commonalities that make the cross the same for all of us. That's why the cross of Jesus Christ is so beautiful. Because even though we're different and even though we're husband and wife today, and we've been together for so long and we know each other. She knows me better than anyone on this earth. And I think I know her better than anybody on this earth. And she knows me better sometimes than I know myself. And I know her sometimes better than she knows, even though she doesn't want to admit that. But that's another subject for another day. Tune in next week. The beauty about it is we're different. And there are some of you that are watching today that you're different than us because of the color of your skin. You're different because of your culture. You're different because of your nationality. You're different because of your financial status. You're different because of your education. There are some things that you look at me. I'm on the screen. My wife and I sit on the screen. We look at, you can't see the world around us, but it appears by the lens. Man, look at that life. And you see your life and you're looking around in the mess and the chaos of your life. And you go, how in the world can I ever relate to them? And how in the world can they ever relate to me? Because we're so different. That's wrong. Because when you and I stand at the cross, we're the same. Go back and look at scripture. How many Calvaries were there? Oh, I never said this before, Kate. This, how many Calvaries were there? Give us the answer, Kate. How many Calvaries were there? There's no pressure on this answer, but we're all waiting for you to give us the right one. How many Calvaries were in the Bible? The people need to hear you, Kate. The microphone's up there. One. Thank you. Don't, don't say it with some conviction. One. One. There wasn't 7.8 billion Calvaries. There wasn't a different Calvary for each one of us. There wasn't a Calvary where, you know, Jesus, he suffered, but he really didn't have to suffer too much because you weren't that bad of a person. And then for some of you, he had to be completely destroyed because you are that bad. He had to go the extra mile. It was one Calvary. 
The same stripes that saved me, the same stripes that save you. The same nails that set you free, the same nails that set me free. The same blood that dripped down from his head that forgives you, same blood that forgives me. Why? Because in the end, we all may be different, but we're the same. We're one in the human aspect of we all have some common things that are unique and that's why the cross of Jesus Christ came because ultimately the cross represents that place in all of us of decision that we all make no matter where we come from. And so as we share this with you today and we talk about you having to give up control and you immediately put the brakes on and say that's not me but I can tell you who it is. And you may be watching with somebody today and you may be given the old finger point going, hey, you need to listen to what he's saying because this is definitely you. And then when this is all said and done, you're going to have a marital, uh, I, I call it intense fellowship. You're going to have some marital intense fellowship uh, because you pointed fingers. How about instead of going like this, why don't you just keep that finger curled and go right here? Because all of us, whether it's fear for whether it's control for protection or control for pride or whatever it is, all of us right now are fighting for control. Do you remember? You watched the movie The Matrix. Yes, but I don't know it as well. You don't know the movie The Matrix? Not as well. I think I've seen it once. I, I, I'm not condone. I'm not promoting this movie. It's been a while, so I'm sure right now I'm going to get blasted on. The uh, comment box is in through my phone. You can't promote that movie. I, I'm not promoting the movie. You can choose to watch well, it. We did talk about Indiana Jones. I too. did. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm not promoting <laughs> that. However, The Matrix is a is basically I give you a summation of a very complicated uh, storyline. But if you remember, The Matrix was based off the premise that the world that we are existing in right now is not real, but it's actually a computer-generated image. That we are actually existing outside of this world, but the computers have taken over, and now the computers, in order to control us and harvest energy from us, they have created all that we see. And so there's one character. Do you remember the name of the main character? No. Oh, come on, Kate! Okay. Neo! Neo is the main character. Do you remember who played Neo? I don't, yeah, I know him. I, I know say that it. That's why I give you the answer. No, you said, do I know the name that played Neo? No. The character? No. The, yeah, but I know a character. I don't okay. know if it was Neo. So Neo is that paid by, I think it's, how do you say Keanu Reeves? Yeah, Keanu Reeves. He plays but Neo. I didn't know he was Neo. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We could, this is why I should We should have used here. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's there you a, go. Chitty Chitty yes. Bang Bang. We can go deep in the metaphors of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with Kate. Oh, you pretty Chitty Bang Bang. Okay, pretty we don't chitty. need to share. Next time, I think at best, yeah, I'm not Oh, here. come on. No, you could see. We could do a Toot Sweets duet next week. Okay. This is not right at home. <laughs> okay. But in this story, the plot, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's a statement he makes. Because Neo is a hacker computer hacker and he's trying to basically uncover he's 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 weaving his way through this network and i can't remember whether or not i can't remember the details of it but he is uh um approached by this main character named morpheus played by Lawrence fishburne and morpheus approaches neo because neo has been targeted by them to be the one who can help bring down what is called the Matrix. But he's trying to convince Neo of the truth of the Matrix. And he's making the statement that you can't taste it, you can't smell it, you can't feel it, you can't, you can't tangibly put your finger on it, but it's all around you. Everything you see is the Matrix. And I pulled this up to make sure I got the quote correctly because I'm not the greatest at movie lines uh, at quoting them right. And he asked Neo this question. He says, Neo, do you believe in fate? Neo says, no. And Morpheus says, why not? And this is the statement he made. He says, because I don't like the idea 
that I'm not in control of my life. He didn't want to believe because believing in something he couldn't see or that was greater than him had to come down to acknowledging the fact that he wasn't in control of his life. And I think that's the hardest thing sometimes we have to face. And you and I have talked about this before. One of the hardest things about getting closer to Jesus Christ, because the further you go in him, the more he asks you to deny yourself. But the more you go in him, the more you have to acknowledge you're not in control. But that being said, and you can answer this um, because I've heard you before talk about this. Even after all these years and all the times God's reminded you, how quickly is it for you to fall back in those default settings of control? Daily. Daily. There's a fight to give up control. I'd almost say not to depress anyone, but I'm being honest. It's almost moment by moment. There will be a situation that will come that I have no control over. And when I'm in control, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, anger, frustration, you name it. But in those moments... Whether I can do, now this is the thing that's funny is I'm learning. I can't say I've learned, but it's easy for you to work through that when you can control those moments. But in the moments where you've learned, in those moments you can't control it, it's, it is much easier to give it to God because you can't. But I'm learning even the things I believe and feel like I can control, I try to, in those moments, give them to him. Mm. And I will say... When I have, because like right now, it seems like I'm always going through something physically. Always. And and I'm not someone who likes pain very much. Um, pain is not something that I handle very well. Um, and I know that sounds very simple. Well, of course. For me, pain makes me angry makes me feel vulnerable, um, makes me feel out of control. And I believe that's why God has allowed more pain in my life because if you were to compare my husband and myself, he hasn't gone through the pain and he has pain in his life, but for some reason, especially physically, it, it does seem to hit me more. It's, he definitely has, God allows other things in his life. It's, it is really funny how we're different, but pain... Nothing's more frustrating. I'm very thankful that the doctors don't ever find anything wrong. I am thankful. I don't. I'm not. Still love you, Doctor Mitchie. We still love you. I'm not looking for doctors to (laughs) tell me. But the story of my life has been: I go through a lot of pain. I go through a lot of difficulty issues. My eyes. There's just always something, and the doctors always, you're great. Everything's wonderful. Blah blah blah. And internally. I know my body super well, and they constantly say, you're good, you know, nothing's wrong, where I constantly feel like I'm either lying or they think I'm weak and I'm just this baby and there's just this whole tug-of-war thing. But for me, going through things physically with no answer, with nothing to help me and waking up every day where, and I'm not talking about pain that, you can work through. I'm talking about pain where it messes with your function. It messes with you being able to see it. It messes with you being able to walk. It messes with you being able to live your life. And the other day, I got more news of, you're good, you're fine, you know. And I woke up the next day, and I was not, I was good, and I was not fine. And it messed, it messed with my function, my daily function, my daily survival. And this is something I can I clearly cannot control. And so I said, okay, God, um, you are my source. You are my God. You say to me, you are everything that I need. 
everything that I need I can find in you. And so I'm dealing with this internal discomfort, internal pain, and it's causing me not to be able to be a human. Yeah. It's causing me not to be able to be a mother. I mean, this pretty much made me want to stay in my bed all the time, but I can't. I'm first a human, yes, but if it were just me taking care of myself, I'd be in my bed. But I have three children that I homeschool. I have a husband I take care of. I have other things I have to be doing at church, therefore all this other stuff. And so I said to God, okay, you say you are all of these things, and this is how I talk to God. So I'm just talking for myself. Okay, you say you're all of these things. You say you are everything that I need, I find in you. So I need you. And that's why we have, and he's taught me, and this is a whole other lesson for another time. But he gave us grace. In his word, it says, your grace, his grace is sufficient. And we're all given a measure of grace for whatever he wants us to do. And so in my relationship with him, I'm trying to seek to do, you know, for him to have control over my life. And like my husband said, it's a daily fight. It's a daily battle of, okay, am I going to be in control or is he going to be in control? And so I said to the Lord, okay, you're not giving me anything to do with this pain. So I give this discomfort to you. I give this pain to you. I give, I give all of this to you because it has interrupted my surviving, my living, my functioning. And I said, by faith, I receive your grace to be myself, to be my, the wife that you want me to be, the mother for today that you want me. And I got to say, all of a sudden, and you'll have to try it, it didn't bother me. No, it didn't go away. I still felt the some of the discomfort, but it didn't completely take over my life. I found that I worked through it. I could still make meals for my kids. I could still be up and down the stairs. I could still take care of my husband. I could still help my kids with their work. I could still function, and it didn't impede on anything I was doing. Mm. I've had issues with my eyes. The doctors say my eyes are fine. But there are times that my eyes are cloudy. There are times that my floaters are so bad. I have different floaters. I have black floaters. That, and there are times that they have so clouded my eyes, I can't. It's almost like you're swatting at bugs. Like I've told my husband it's the craziest and it drives me nuts. And I've gone to the doctors and, I mean, they've, well, we could do this or this, but you're good or you just work through it. or They don't really give me anything mm. tangible to do that I can control it and fix it. So in the moments, I was on my way to Costco one day, and I said, God, and I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to give a lesson on grace, but I'm someone that I want to put it to the test. I'm not going to sit on this side of the camera and say, oh, yes, God is your everything, when God doesn't make your life perfect. I'm going to be honest with you. He does And if anything, he allows so much in your life of hurt, pain, suffering, pressure. But one thing I have found with him is, it really does work for my good, even though he allows it. It doesn't feel good in the moment. It doesn't. It hurts. It's devastating. It feels crippling. It feels like it's the worst thing that could ever happen. But when, if you don't allow yourself to get bitter, angry, cut off yourself from him because really not trying to be rude, he is, it's almost like cutting off the hand that feeds you. You can't separate you and him or, I mean, you'll find if you haven't been there, you're going to find at some point in your life, nothing can fix, nothing can help, no one, nothing, no amount of money, no relationship, no amount of security here and that and the other, none. It will eventually, at some point in your life, it hasn't happened. You're going to have to ultimately look up and say, okay, God, I need help. And I'd say sadly, but I'm not sad about it. I've had to come to the end of myself literally multiple times. There's leveling degrees. Hmm. But to the point when I say come to the end of myself, I'm talking about the end of myself where it put me in the ground. And I've been been—I've lived in church my whole life. And we could say for those churchgoers, I've known God all my life. No, I did not know God all my life. True. I followed a religion. I followed a 
going to church a certain amount of times a week, making sure I read my Bible, blah, 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 blah. But I'm talking about today knowing who created me, knowing that there is a higher purpose, that there is someone who's looking out for me. And no, he doesn't make my life perfect. I don't have a perfect marriage. I cannot tell you how many times he and I have wanted to end it. Even this year, COVID has not been good to us. All has come against not only our marriage, but our family. And I talk about our family mm. of five. God does not make your life perfect. He doesn't. But in those un imperfect moments, if you are connected to him, he is your source. So when I talk about these things, I don't talk about them because it's my job. I don't talk or about theory. them. Or theory. Exactly. I'm, I'm not into the theory. It's when, oh, God, your grace is sufficient. In those moments, I've said, okay, God, you said gra your grace is sufficient. It's enough. You're going to have to show me that. Because I'm not just about regurgitating scripture. I want to know, hey, that's really true. Theory may help you when you're sitting there listening to a Sorry, preacher. No, no. But I think theory us. may help you sitting with a preacher, listening to someone talk about God. And it may make you, theory may make you feel good, clap your hands, say amen. But theory doesn't help you on a Monday when you're staring at your problems. Theory doesn't help you when you're facing real issues. Where's theory on a Saturday night, instead of going to bed, you're arguing and fighting. Knowing that the next day you got to get up and do this. But the thing is to all of this, not I wasn't trying to derail us, but I had talked about grace for just a minute. You can't use those things because God knows. You can't, okay, God, I receive your grace to, just to get you out of a jam yeah. so that you can be in control. So if you. you try, Lord, <laughs> by your grace, uh, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Because yeah. he's going to know, well, she's the, or he's only yep. wanting my grace so they can continue to get out. They can just get out of their physical jam, which that's yep. what I was talking about. My Either it's my eyes or my internal or yep. whatever's going on here, so that I can continue to be okay and live my life. It doesn't work like that. You know what's amazing about that? I've watched this happen, especially in my life, but yours especially physically. When you've come to the point where you finally have said, God, if this is the way you want me to live, it's okay. I receive your grace to do it, and I accept it, even though I want it. I accept it. Almost every time you said that, then God heals. But it was yeah. a fight and a journey of dying to get to that point because you're right. That is so true. There's a song. He used to come on the radio. It still does. That he's going to clean up what I messed up and start my life over again. God's not your janitor. Can he clean it up? Yes. But he's not cleaning it up so that you can go make more spills. And he can clean it up again. It's got, you're right. We are awesome at coming to God. God, that's what happens, right? Two, two planes crash into the World Trade Center, falls down. A, a plane crashes into a field in Pennsylvania, crashes into the Pentagon. Everyone's like, oh, my God, this is it. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Help us get it out. God comes and helps us. And guess what? We're okay. Thank you for that. We are Americans. COVID comes, what happens? It's the end. Quick. We've got to pray. We've got to repent. Now COVID, we're learning to live with it. Whether we like it or not, we're living with it. Where's God? The point you made is such a powerful point. The reason why we pray things and God doesn't answer them, not because God can't answer prayer, because he realizes the source of what you're praying. And you can put a pretty package on it, but... God can read into it that really your prayer is self-serving so that you can get your way to be in control and get your will. And the point you made to me that stuck out more than anything is even though you've been doing this now for a long time, the moment you stop, immediately. It's not like a progressive back. It's not like you can slowly drift. It's Every day, you've got to make a choice. And the moment you don't make that choice, default settings of control and will kick in. Correct? Correct. And I think that's what most Christians forget. We want to pray mic, drop mic prayers. Drop the mic prayers. We want to pray prayers one time, drop the mic, and never pick it up again and go, that's done. Next. And don't realize that you can pray on Sunday something that will come back on Monday. And I think that's probably, you said earlier, 
would it be fair to say that was one of the biggest transitions from going from walking in a religion to walking in a relationship? Was there some things you prayed within the confines of religion, but you never brought them into life? But now walking with Jesus Christ, you do these things on a daily basis. Absolutely. And how much has that made a difference in your life? Oh my goodness. Like just something, it's, and this is an application, and you can try it if you want to. It just works for me. Um, the Lord kind of challenged me of just waking up because I am such a person of control. Didn't realize it, especially because I'm a perfectionist, which really it's just a person that is just a major control freak. And um, no disrespect to anyone else who is a perfectionist, um, which, by the way, as a perfectionist, you feel like a failure because you just it never reaches that level yeah. of perfection, which drives me crazy. However, um, I have a tendency um, to wake up, and before I, even with chatting with my husband, or because usually he and I are up early the same time, and when I'm up, he gets up, or he gets up, I get up. We're just connected like that and um before we chat i really try to connect with god and give him my day i'll say lord god jesus whatever however you know father i just i give you my day today i consciously am giving up control of my day i submit my will and again you don't have to use my words this is just, this is something I do, and it's amazing how it changes my day because I cannot tell you when I wake up in my day so many times, probably more times than I've done it the correct way between God and I. I'll put it that way. I, by the time I lay my head on my pillow at the end of the day when I've been in control, I've felt overwhelmed. I've been afraid. I've been stressed. I've been worried. I have just felt like my day was incomplete. I didn't get anything done. It just... I, I noticed things that I never got to do. I just would go to bed feeling like a failure or just so many unproductive. negative, unproductive, so many unfulfilled. negative, unfulfilled, so many negative feelings. Yeah. Yep. Name them. You name yep. them. But when I started my day, and this was, again, something that I felt like the Lord impressed upon me, he showed me for me, was when I got up in the morning at the start of my day, whenever it is, because I know everyone has different times and, but the start of my day and openly acknowledge to him that I was giving him control of my day, that I was giving him my will, my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my wishes, whatever connotated Kate that it described Kate, that Kate wanted that I gave it all to him. It's amazing how just very, easy my day would go and I'd have issues that would arise I'd have you got this issue you got that I had different doctor's appointments I would get bad news and it wouldn't derail my day I wouldn't have the day of the ups the major ups and the major downs and not that you don't have excitements and but mean the just constant roller coaster roller coaster type of day that I usually would have if things were going great I was up if they were going down I was down mm. like it was but I noticed that and then I would find the things I struggled doing I would just do the things I dreaded to do like and I'm gonna be completely transparent and I'm not trying to derail everybody but waking up and having to sit at a table and argue with my kids get your work done sit down stay focused hope stop doing this Noah sit down sit down do this do guys come on let's do stop fighting there are mornings as a mom I dread that I dread it or clean up the 1,000th spill from somebody that did this or that and we have a dog now and he makes messes and it's amazing how I wake up and I'm focused and okay guys, I've got patience whereas before I'm ready to strangle someone. And then at the end of the day I end up doing all of the things I usually struggle to do or I would dread to do or and at the end of the day, even if there were things I didn't get done that I wanted to get done, they don't bother me. And I'm able to lay my head on my pillow, which is my biggest thing for me. I'll just put for me peace and knowing that I accomplished what I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do. And ultimately I didn't feel like I carried my day. Amen. I didn't have the weight of my day on me. I didn't have the weight of my struggles, my physical issues, my 
the stress of taking care of my family, the stress of our church, the stress of, and the weight of the day, I didn't have. Because in the word of God, the Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he has taught me from the very start of my day. And there are moments I take control back, as my husband was saying, talking about control. There are moments where in certain instances I find myself in things I could handle and I could control. I take it back. And then the Lord would remind me again, um, who's, in, who's in control? Who's in charge? And I'd have to let it go. Okay, God, I give you this situation. It's very easy. I can get my hands in it and try and fix it myself. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait on you and acknowledge to you, you're in this. I give this situation to you. I give this circumstance to you. I give this problem to you. I give this bill to you. I give the loss of my job to you. I give you my daughter calling on the phone and her life falling apart. God, I can't fix it now. I could go over her house and I could tell her what she needs to do and how, she, how I, can, I can see that I can fix it this way. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to pray for her and, okay, God, I give you my daughter. I give you my son. I give you, I can't fix their worlds. I can't fix this. I can't change this. Lord, I don't know what to do with this bill. I have a $3,000 bill and I don't know what to do with it. So therefore, I'm, instead of worrying about it on how I'm going to work the funds to figure out how to pay for this, I'm going to just give it to you. And I believe you're going to show me how I can, what I can do about this. So these are just applications that the Lord has shown me on a personal level on how to walk with him daily. I, can't, I cannot say I have a perfect day every day. I can't say that. I wish I could. There are more days than not that I probably get it wrong than I do right. But I have noticed there's a significant difference when I wake up and I start my day with him versus when I wake up and Kate is in full control. So today we're not bringing you religious philosophy or theoretical um, pie in the sky. We are bringing to you what Jesus Christ is dealing with us about and what he's showing us. And we sharing that with you today because hopefully something that was said through my wife or I today helps you no matter where you are, maybe see some things about yourself that Jesus is trying to show you because he's trying to help you. And in the words of Morpheus, you have a decision today, red pill or blue pill. You take the blue pill of skepticism, doubt, self-control, self-reliance, and you can just pretend all this is not a big deal. We've made it all up. It's just, it's not what it's really about. God doesn't really feel that way, or I'm not the one. You guys can be gullible. You can live that way. I haven't. You can take that pill, or you can take the red pill of faith and be revealed what truth is. Now, the truth doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. Truth doesn't mean everything's going to be great. Truth doesn't mean you're going to have wealth and health and blessings coming out of your ears that you don't know what to do with and everything's going to be amazing but truth the bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free it's your choice today i can't make it for you my wife can't make it for you you have to make the choice which way are you going to believe are you going to believe yeah that's okay but that's for you or that's really for that or not? i really don't or somehow you figured out you think you're the one to crack the code you can do it God's way, but you can put enough of you in there that you can have both of the best of both worlds. It doesn't work that way. It's all or nothing. It's red pill, blue pill. It's your choice today. What are you going to do? And it comes down to choice because it comes down to will. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for what you've spoken, the words you've used to challenge us today. I pray, Lord, that as it's been spoken, they did not hear the words of a man or a woman, but they heard your voice speaking to them wherever they are. As you reach and you call and you, you, you pull us closer to you to know you and to find you in a greater way. And it's not something that happens only on Sunday, but it's a daily thing. We walk daily. We die daily. We believe daily. We experience daily. You are true and real every day. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to open our eyes to a spirit of revelation, that we would know who you are, that we would find you in a greater sense, and that as we decrease, you might increase in us and through us. In Jesus' name.
Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If you're able to, come back and be with us tonight at 7.30 at Right at Home, Tuesday at 7.30 for Tuesday Talks. Thank you for being with us this morning. We hope that you have a safe week and continue to walk in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. So thank you. God bless you.